Let's just send it. What's the worst um, that could happen? All right. You, People uh, don't listen to us banter for 15 minutes. People hate that anyway, but that's not going to stop us. I see. I see what was just happening. We were echoing up a storm, but I think we're good now. What's up, dude? You look like you're in uh, in a good mood. Yeah. been sleeping good. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm the opposite. I have uh, not been sleeping well. I'm on another one of those streaks of minimal sleep, so that's uh, that's always fun. A bender? of of little sleep sure well you've had a lot going on recently like you had f1 last weekend mm-hmm. right or two weekends ago yeah how was that um that was cool so we we actually recorded a pod um and i had tyler sit down with me and uh and jorge and so we did a good a good pod there but the court was really cool i mean it wait, was wait. In like a is it jorge george i thought it was george it depends he says that he goes by both but prefers george but sometimes okay. i say jorge <laughs> gotcha yeah it is j-o-r-g-e yeah, yeah. uh-huh okay yeah um but uh yeah i mean it was like a vip section at uh like the sports illustrated section so like there's a pickleball court and then you walk up the stairs and there's this whole like there's like multiple bars lounge like uh full buffet they're like serving fresh sushi like great seats at the track. It was very cool. Uh, but I only went Friday, so I didn't actually watch like the, you know, just like trial runs and stuff like that. But Dang, too busy on Saturday dope. or what? Um, Sunday? Yeah, both. Yeah, Sunday I had to just do a bunch of uh, assignments, which is really cool. Um, that sounds I'm dope. sure you want to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't ask. Um, all right, we got Carl Schmitz joining us soonish, probably like 20 minutes, but we're going to fly through some stuff before he joins we're gonna grill him on the latest paddle stuff and um i want to know if he saw us ask on a previous episode what does usa pickleball even do well we'll find out we'll see (laughs) if he's a fan of the pod a true fan of the pod um all right hey uh daddy pickles congratulations goes from maddie to uh daddy pickles yeah i uh it's big, if true. <laughs> if, big he had, if, true. if he had a kid, big. Gargantuan, if factual. If true. So um, shout out to Maddie Pickles, big fan of the pod. Honestly, the backbone of, of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and he comes up with plenty of content ideas that we then just butcher. It's not his fault, it's ours. Correct. But uh, yeah, just had a, had a kiddo. And uh, yeah, pretty awesome. Excited for him. No, he like... we. We texted him this morning. We were like, what are we going to talk about on the pod? And he was like, I don't know. There isn't really anything. And then he rattled off like 15 yeah. things. He's like, there's not <laughs> much. Kind of a weak in, in pickle. He's like, but the, here's 10 different ideas. Yeah. He's uh, he's completely obsessed. But, Clutch. Um, we've got uh, our Bounce Detroit Pickleball Tournament coming up here next weekend. And uh, so we'll be in Michigan for that. If you're in the Michigan area, sign up. Come play. Me and Trop Pickleball. Me and Trop Pickle are going to be playing together. Um, nice. I told Webby from Eddie and Webby to, to go out there, but we'll have a, a good crew. It should be a pretty good tournament. Um, all right. I want to start with one thing. Yeah, I see it. I see on on our little agenda, Zane reaction to photo. I'll add while recording so he doesn't see before. Correct. I'm stoked um, for this. Yeah. Well, it's not anything... Uh, it's just a, a funny moment, and I want to know if you remember this. So we'll put it up. Jamie, put this in. 
uh, so Zane can see it. But I'm going to show you this photo, and then I want to see if you remember what this is and, like, what happened and the story behind it. Oh, boy. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Uh, I do. This was, I think, Mesa of 2021. Mm-hmm. So the first time that I ever met you, you were still driving the, the dink van around Correct. all this stuff. Yep. And what we talked, I think I said some nonsense or another. I don't really remember the interview itself. But uh, yeah, that was, that was good times. So this was, so we pull up to Mesa. This is our first ever pickleball tournament, um, like representing the dink. We pull up in the van. We have no idea what we're going to do content wise. So we're just kind of walking around. I have this mic, which we bought for like five bucks on Amazon. Do you remember that it was not plugged into anything? I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> Didn't you just hand me a, a like a little, what did, you, how, what did we actually record with? Uh, I think probably just like an iPhone or maybe, so Jack, who was with us at the time, I think was uh, recording, I think he had like a legit camera. Okay. Uh, and this is just a screenshot, but that logo on the mic, just a sticker we slapped on there. <laughs> I had never met you before, but you were like in the headlines because this is when you started to unveil the spin serve mm -hmm. and you're starting to wreak havoc and everyone was like, this is BS. Like, what no, I don't know. Some people it? liked it. Some people liked it. Some people <laughs> very much hated it. Some people uh, hated it. We can ask Carl about that later, but I had never met you before. And I go, Zane, first question, why do you think you're above the rules of pickleball? And I don't really remember what you said. Um, but that was the first time we ever we ever met. We need to we need to like get this interview back. We need to find that footage. It's somewhere. It's somewhere in the depths. I'm sure I could pull it up. It's probably it's probably not, not hard to find on your on your social. What you guys have only t posted fifteen thousand times since then. Yeah, it would be. It would take me actually hours to to, to even find load it. all of that stuff. Yeah. Let's see how many posts you guys have. It's a lot. Probably like two thousand oh, something. Bad. It's twenty seven hundred. I was 2, expecting more. That's pretty good. I was expecting more. Yeah. Um, but do you remember? So then we asked. We talked about like all your nicknames, and you went through those. Yeah. Give me your nicknames. I want to see if you remember them all. I think there's Gucci. Yep. There is Elastigirl. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was the one. That I prefer like, Gumby. <laughs> yeah, Gumby. Um. Gucci, Elastigirl, uh, I don't. Uh, I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting some other ones. What What else do you have? Peter Pan. Oh yeah, that was, was like that was like prime leggings time for me. Yeah. Oh, is that why? Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting little moment. That was the first time I walked up to you with a mic, and here we are sitting here. You know, that's coming up on three years. That was, that was fun times. I remember you guys actually asked good questions, and I was surprised. <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing. Um, that, and what does that say about other people that ask questions? Uh, I don't know. They're even worse. They're worse. You have no idea what you're doing, but somehow managed to be way better than everybody else. Yeah, but sometimes when you're unscripted, you end up just being better. Like anytime I have to do a speech or something like that, I very much avoid writing down what I'm going to say. Because otherwise I trip all over myself. Much better unscripted. You just got to sling it. Interesting. So should we just get rid of scripts completely? I mean, we pretty much do at this <laughs> point. We do it on the fly. So um, it seems to work out for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So you recorded with uh, the Tennis Sucks guys, which are now um, 
publishing on the on the dink so you yeah. can watch future episodes on the dink youtube yeah travis uh travis will sling it for sure like i think that's a pretty underrated pod because travis will like travis is almost graham's jimmy jimmy (laughs) graham is like graham's like pretty he's like i'm just there uh you know that he probably shares a lot of these opinions but then travis just takes it and runs with it and i think that's pretty underrated because travis like slings it probably more than any player that's on a podcast i would have to say yeah no i've always said there that pod is like one of my favorites for sure specifically because travis will travis will just go off yeah and travis is just like honestly they need a stop alzheimer's now swear jar because that would that would crush way more than than we might we might have to make that happen actually we we should make that happen. Hey, and then they can have their sponsors. They can have ProXR sponsor it. They can have Game Plus sponsor it. Game Plus, hey, shameless plug. They are uh, they're the TV provider of Major League Pickleball in uh, in the United States and Canada for the next one. So you can watch it on Game Plus in Canada and Access TV in the U.S. It will also be broadcasting elsewhere, right? Like where? Yeah. Like this week. So yeah, it's this weekend. Like just YouTube. Like usual, we'll be able to watch everything. I think it's on YouTube as well, but if you're on TV or in Canada and you don't have YouTube, uh, yeah, it's on Game Plus. How you how you feeling about uh, defending your title? Good. Enough said. Squeeze are dangerous, but we have a. It is it's tough because the only thing that a title gets you is a target on your back. Right. Legitimately, it didn't help us in any seating. It didn't help us with our pool doesn't get us any points doesn't get us a buy doesn't get a shit <laughs> other than other than people wanting to to kick our ass right i mean are you guys are you got have you trained at all in between were you able to get together at all yeah we did a fun event over in uh in orlando a few a few fun events so we they did their dinktoberfest um where they uh where, where the squeeze put together just a cool community event mm-hmm. in um, Orlando. Uh, we did that. Andre and I taught some clinics at uh, the Winter Park Racket Club, which was very fancy. Uh, and and they have a good relationship with the with the squeeze there. We did some fun stuff on Monday. Did a team practice over there on Monday. Tuesday, we played the Lone Palm Tournament. Wednesday, Jenny and I went over to Universal. So we, uh, yeah. We we got a, a couple practices in. Is um, Rachel and Rachel and uh, Anna took gold in that tournament, so. So you um, you forced Jenny to dress up as you for Halloween. I did not force I think her. That's a little oppressive. I mean, <laughs> maybe <laughs> she chose to, but I said, look, we're not going to spend whatever amount of dollars on a Halloween costume that you're not going to wear again next year. That's just a waste of money. And she's like, okay. So she got that. Maybe that's the oppressive part, but. (laughs) (laughs) So it is oppressive. Yeah, probably. But uh, yeah, so she was like, all right, you know what? Actually, so she actually did come to that conclusion herself. She's like, I don't want to get one of these Halloween costumes that I'm only going to wear once. Right. Like. I'll just go as a professional pickleball player. Mm-hmm. And so she dressed Wait, what up. were you? What did you dress up as? I was gone that weekend. So I oh. was in Orlando. She went to a Halloween party here. Got it. Okay. 
Yeah. What what have you dressed up as for what do you dress up as for Halloween? I used to always I mean, one year I think I was like Britney Spears, which is funny. Um, I can see it. But I would always just like whatever sport I was into at the time, I would just wear my gear. Right. Like one year I just put on hockey pads and walked around. But that's usually it's uh, I'm a last minute. Not a lot of planning goes into that. Dude, did you see the guy who died in a hockey game? Yeah. Brutal. Insane. Absolutely brutal. I watched the. I, I didn't really know what I was watching until I. I like, yeah, it's, saw. It's I didn't too read late. the. I didn't read like the the caption. I just watched some video. Yeah. And this guy got his like his jugular sliced on the no, on the ice. Investigating that for like homicide now. Uh, it kind of looks like the guy killed him. He, Not like I mean he did. Well, he died, and it it looked like he intentionally kicked him in the throat with his yeah. with his uh, uh, thing. Yeah, pretty. Pretty wild. Um, on that note, <laughs> yeah. How do we segue from? That? Uh, all right. What'd you think of the APP this weekend? Yeah. So Kwong Dong crushed it. Yep. Um He's the good, guy. Good segue. First gold medal. Yeah. I don't think anybody's surprised that he's getting a, getting golds. Have you singles, played him before? Not in singles. I'm retired in singles. Yeah. Right. Right. What do you think of his game? What's the word on the street about him? What are people saying? Like people who have played him. Um. Well, I mean, I've I've seen him play. I mean, the word on the street is he's super fast, uh, can hit very clean passes on both sides. Uh, net game struggles, but he's one of the best scorers already. Um, mm-hmm. Got a big serve. He got a big grunt. Um, he's probably got the. I would have to say he's got the most iconic grunt in pickleball already. <laughs> Other than maybe Altoff. Right. Who's got a more iconic grunt than Kwang Dong? Altoff's going to go down in history as like the all-time greatest senior pro. 100%. Yeah, he's absolutely cleaning up. And he texts me his results. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you actually get a, the, the pleasure of a text from yeah. him yourself? You don't have his customer service? No, you a text who's message? that? Like one of his interns or his something? His fiance. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Anytime I text Altoff something that's a little bit too complicated, I get a response from, from <laughs> Ashley. That's good. They make a, customer they make a good, service. They make a good pair then. Altoff hosted a tournament this last weekend over in Owensboro. And by Altoff, I mean Ashley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, all right. He was just there. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got a... Uh, now, we want to talk about oppressive. I'm not saying it. <laughs> I'm not saying it. Got it. I like it. Deflect. Um, yeah. So, are these your APP notes here on the sheet? Yeah, all three of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's like, are you gonna get to the point of, of these things, or am I? Uh, so yeah, Kwang Dong won his first gold, and then we have more drama with the uh, with the line calls. Yeah. More drama with uh, with Megan Fudge, and I'm super stoked to see how this turns out. And I say drama with Megan Fudge, and, and I suppose it is drama, but, like, I think it's 100% warranted. Yeah. So, Megan Fudge, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have the tweet in front of me word for word, but basically she said, until this line-calling situation is... Let me read it. Okay, perfect. And, Jamie, put this up there. I have notified the APP Tour that after today's winner's bracket final, I will no longer play singles until they implement a rule change about the number of overrules per match. I lost 11-9 in third against her, and she did four overrules, referring to Salome, that were clearly seen by the referees. Four again. Same as Atlanta tournament where I had already asked for a change. A player cannot continue to cheat 
and hope that refs miss it and have zero consequences. Enough is enough. Time to take action. I'm retiring from singles until I hear about a change. Yeah, I I really like this stance from her, and yeah. I guarantee something will get done. Like I think this is finally high profile enough. Like I think the APP will will have to do something about this, right? Because you know, alternatively, what she could do or what somebody could do is just make a mockery of the situation. What she could do is what I've suggested. Literally, every time the point ends, just call the ball out. And I think that would get the point across as well. But I think that this will, I bet you something is done before the next APP event. I would, I would really hope so. I think this is a powerful enough stance, and I think that enough people are fed up with this. I mean, you saw the final. Judith was playing Salome, <laughs> yeah. and they so had like 45 referees out there. <laughs> we put it in the newsletter. <laughs> we'll put this up on the – Jamie, you got to put that up. That's funny. But it's it's hilarious. I mean, on Salome's side of the court, there's literally three refs, one to her, her right and two to her left, and the two on the left are like hunched over like – eyeing the the lines to make sure she doesn't uh pull anything i'd love a full court view of that like is that just on salome's side <laughs> they're like yeah judith we, we kind of like. trust you don't worry no there's there's another ref at the uh at the net too yeah i'd have to see the other angle to see if there, are, sure nets there on were... are refs on judith's side too there would have to be but there's four refs minimum and there could be more on judith's side and if there are that means there's seven refs <laughs> watching this match sheesh um, but okay, so break that down for people who don't really understand or, or might be a little bit confused. Like what, what's going on? Like what's the issue here and what is she asking for? Yeah. Well, how blunt do I want to be? Um, basically this lady Salome keeps cheating <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Megan Fudge is sick of it. And so you, um right now if you make a bum call and yep. you cheat right the referee will either say well basically there's three things that they can do they will say yes i saw the ball out no or yes i saw the ball in or i didn't see it basically or yep. well there's there's another one there's not enough to overrule which means yeah that was probably a hook, but I don't have the balls to overrule it. Um, and then there's this one, everybody's favorite. Right. Where I just, Your I favorite. didn't see it. My favorite. So basically, if you are playing only in the objective of winning the match and nothing else, when the ball is close, you should simply call it out. And that is the philosophy that it appears Salome is using. Right. Uh, you know, um, and okay, and just putting aside like sportsmanship, right? Like, it actually is to her advantage to do that, right? That was kind of your point. Yes, you. Sh if you do not care about the personal repercussions or y damages to your brand, that is what you should do in pickleball. Mm -hmm. Make the referee overrule your call, right? Because if they overrule your call fine you're gonna lose that point anyway probably mm. and if they don't you just stole a point right right so there's no reason not to other than 
being like a good person. Right. Right. Um, if you don't care about being a good person, then that's fine. You're going to win a lot more pickleball points. Yeah. Um, but basically tennis, college tennis had a similar problem where people were just cheating and cheating and cheating. And they implemented a system where the first time you're overruled by a referee, it is a warning. The second time it's a point penalty. The third time it's a game penalty. Fourth time it's a set fifth time it's a match right and there needs to be some form of sliding scale of punishment for continually getting overruled yeah and on calls mm -hmm. right right so do you see her interview after the match who's so salome after she beats judith to to win the final she has an interview after and she's like one of the first things she says she's like you know i got a text that i'm too nice in my in my interviews and i even get criticized for the way i interview and she's sort of playing this card like i don't get why everyone's out to get me and it's like you have a track record of repeatedly terrible calls and she she's just not accountable at all right um yeah i think i, I, saw, I saw a tweet from her um which i thought was interesting and i only saw it because uh, Maurice the Grease replied to it. But she said, Houston had it all, got some rain, got lots of sun, caused trouble, got it with a little devil emoji. Uh, fun week at the office. <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't know. Maybe she's leaning. Maybe she was listening to our podcast mm -hmm. from a few months back and is leaning into the bad person of pickleball she leans in as like the villain on the court and then plays this like i you know i'm just this nice person off the court and um i don't know it's just it's inconsistent and um i don't know there's just zero uh zero accountability so it doesn't surprise me that she gets called out the the way that she does but she also then goes and this is going to be my last singles app for the year um, oh boy! <laughs> oh well, then they have some time to uh, to to implement some new rule change. Right, it's like Megan Fudge is like, "I'm retiring until this is changed," and then Salome's like, "Well, I'm not playing anymore." <laughs> All right, well, Megan you can't get, fire me. I quit. Yeah, come out of retirement. Um, all right, what about uh, Paris and Simone? Seems like they've uh, fallen off. I think we've talked about this quite a bit, but um, another. Would you say subpar result for them? Did they? Did they? Uh, did they? I don't think they played this one together. Did I they? was, to be honest with you, I was thinking like I didn't even see them play, but you put it on the you put it on the notes. So I, was, <laughs> I just assumed I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, this is this is uh, that's at this point probably rumors that we should let Jimmy talk about in terms of their relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens going going forward. What they decide to do for you know for next year partnerships, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it, there's a, a I don't know probably enough to have a, a more of a conversation on that. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't... but uh, they you know I think I think even if they're unhappy, I don't think it would make any sense to change anything up for 2023. Right. Like obviously they have the the next two MLP events together. They have maybe one or two more APPs. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I think it probably makes the most sense just to stick stick things out. Yeah. Um and yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody's gonna make a trade with uh with that team for the most part. 
Right. Like I don't, I don't know if the bouncers are are capable of really making a trade. Mm-hmm. So why do you think there haven't been any premier trades? It's almost it's so difficult to to trade when you don't have the way I see it is these trades are mostly zero sum where somebody is getting somebody's winning and somebody's losing when you're just trading one player for another or two players for for another mm-hmm. like when you can offer somebody a draft pick for next year or cash or whatever like you can make trades more interesting it's just really hard to get anything done if if you're going to do a trade of say you know Simone for like uh Mary Brasha or, or something like you have to be very certain that Mary is going to fit into your bouncer's team better than Simone for some reason and that's right. difficult to do but like if you can offer somebody like hey we want we'll give you um we'll give you Rachel for you know $50,000 in next year's first round draft pick mm-hmm. or something you can actually sort of make trades that way right um most nba trades or a decent amount of them come with other things right when when a superstar is being traded it's for the most part either a three-term team trade a multiple team trade or somebody's going into a rebuilding year and they just want future draft picks right and so yeah it's it's just hard to to do trust me we 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 thought about a lot of trades on the Frisco Pandas last year. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah. No, uh, no trade talk on the squeeze right now, though. That's for sure. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why you why you would. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So major league pickleball contracts. We've speculated on this. There being renegotiations, contract buyouts, things like that. Have you heard anything more on on that front? Um, I'm pretty out of the loop at this point. Yeah. Um, well, I, I just don't think there's that much information going around right now. Yeah. I think the, the new, uh, the new group, the powers that be are keeping it tight. Yeah. Enough of the random podcasts, information <laughs> that should be leaked. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Oh, know. the last thing on our agenda is... We're going to announce this sooner sooner or later, pretty soon here. Hopefully Thomas is on board for it. But I need a creative punishment. I already know what it is. You know what it is? I know what Did it is. Did you talk to my boy? No, but I have an idea for you. But What continue. the punishment is? Yes. Okay. So I'm having a competition with one of my friends, mm-hmm. and we need a pretty solid punishment yeah. for whoever loses, right? I'm talking like fantasy football type of punishment. Yeah, what kind of budget do you have? Ooh. So a couple of the ground rules are like... Well, well what's the competition? We'll announce it. We'll announce the oh, competition. Okay, okay. Um, but it involves it involves raising money for, uh, for a charity that I uh, frequently raise money for by swearing and basically (laughs) it's it's like whoever there's gonna be a competition whoever wins they win that's great you're a winner congrats but the real interesting part is the punishment for the loser and we need a good idea for that right and so the initial idea that was that was thrown out there was 
the loser has to get in a tutu and sing I'm a little teacup and post it to social media. I like that. But I think we can do better. Um, so this is more so just humiliation rather yeah, than right. anything rather than anything financial or anything. You know, we have we have things like a fun idea and actually something that I did in a fantasy football league previously was the loser got dressed by the winner for mm -hmm. a tournament that they had to play. We can't really do that anymore because we all have sponsors and whatnot. Right. Um, I like that idea, though. It was very fun. <laughs> At my last job, uh, one of my coworkers lost his fantasy league. And so he had to, in the middle of Manhattan, like on like right by Madison Square Garden, there's a Popeye's chicken. So he had to go um, get like a spicy chicken sandwich and take his shirt off and film like a fake Popeye's endorsement commercial with his shirt off on like one of the busiest streets in Manhattan. That was really good. Um, and then my, uh, so one of my best friends runs a company that essentially puts advertisements on the sides of like box trucks and, and semi trucks. And uh, so in his fantasy league, their buddy who lost last year, they took a picture of him and like, I don't know, they made it like really goofy and put his face on the side of a truck and drove it through New York City. Like I lost my fantasy league. <laughs> and so I asked him, I, was, I immediately texted him. I was like, okay, how much would this cost me? And he's like, probably about two grand. So if you have 2000 bucks, you can, you know, get the, uh, the loser's face on the side of a truck and it can drive through Times Square. There, hey, what if we did it bigger? What if we, how much does it cost to get on the sphere? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I like where your head's at. <laughs> so yeah, guys, let us know in the comments if you have some form of creative punishment. Uh, hopefully it's not very expensive because this will be money that we're, we're competing for raising for a, a charity. If it was super expensive, we would rather just give that money to the charity. But uh, humiliating, encouraged. Points for humiliation. Mm -hmm. um, all right, we got Carl in the lobby here. So let's go ahead and add him in. Okay. Who'd have thought Takea, our trusty hydration pal, decided to step into the pickleball court. Water bottles to keep us cool and paddles like the Takea Sport, Helios, and Titan Elite. They're making sure you're playing at your peak. See Riley crushing it with a Takea paddle. The Takea Helios Sport paddle is the perfect beginner paddle, striking the perfect balance between strength and stability. The Titan Elite is the ultimate choice for those who demand power and control and want to take their game to the next level. Takea is no longer just our hydration heroes, but they're stepping up to be our pickleball partners too. If you're looking to have both, stay refreshed and play at your peak, look no further. Dive into the world of Takea, check out the Helios and Titan Elite, and let's elevate your game together. Visit TakeaUSA.com today and get your Takea Sport Helios and Titan Elite Paddle now. Again, that's TakeaUSA.com. So, T-A-K-E-Y-A-U-S-A.com. Stay hydrated, stay cool, and play at your peak with the Kea. Carl, can you hear us? Uh, loud and clear. Good afternoon. Good How's afternoon. Going, Carl? Thanks for joining us. My um, pleasure. All right, Zane, glad you were able to arrange it. So let me give a little intro on, uh, on Carl here. So I'm reading right off your LinkedIn, Carl. So let me know if I, I get anything wrong. You're the Managing Director of Equipment and Standards and Facilities Development at USA Pickleball, 
You're responsible for definition, design, and implementation of specifications, standards, and testing protocols for the sport's national and international governing bodies. How's that sound? That's correct. I hope so. You pulled it from his LinkedIn. What do you mean? That's right. That is the gospel. Well, maybe there's some yeah. uh, position changes. I don't know. We got it. Uh, we got it right though. But um, all right, Zane, you want to take the lead on a couple questions for for Carl here? We got a good list for you, Carl. So sure, yeah. Um, well, Thomas has. Don't say dwell time around Thomas because he has <laughs> no idea. I've been trying to explain it to him for months. It's just not going to happen, Carl. Got it. <clears throat> Got it. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean we've we've talked about uh, we've talked about battles and controversy and all that stuff on here plenty of plenty of times, and we figured you know actually we re- we were reached out by uh, by Melissa from USA Pickleball and figured yeah it does sound seem like a good time to to chat through some of this stuff and. And yeah, so I think um, I'd love to start with uh, with your reaction to something that Brooks tweeted, which was that sixty five percent of paddles failed what would be USA Pickleball's standards at the last MLP event. Yeah, to to clarify, were those uh, uh, surface roughness or were they deflection standards? Which uh, uh, did he detail that, that? In surface roughness. So 65% of paddles exceeded USA Pickleball surface roughness limits. 30% of paddles, I believe, were taken out of circulation. And I don't know whether those paddles were taken out of circulation due to um, due to surface roughness or something with the uh, with the power, one of the measures of power. Sure. <clears throat> Yeah, um, a couple things. Uh, the the first is the uh, in all likelihood, uh, my understanding is that the last MLP uh, surface roughness was not tested. Uh, I think they used their uh, average deflection force uh, test only, which may have encouraged uh, athletes to show up uh, perhaps with paddles that were a bit rougher than than usual. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, <clears throat> if you look at your, our uh, testing processes, we have a certification program, which every paddle needs to go through, which includes five different tests, the surface roughness, coefficient of friction, deflection, um, reflection, or, uh, this is basically a reflective uh, measurement, and then uh, sizing or dimensioning. The, uh, the variation that we're seeing with paddles in market uh, specifically, specifically within that category of um, molded uh, resin surfaces, also referred to as raw carbon, uh, we've seen extreme variations in those. Um, <clears throat> some paddle manufacturers have a you know very tight quality control processes, and and others are relying on uh, a supplier upstream to take care of those for them. And we have seen quite a bit of variation in those. Uh, we do try to address those with what we call a market compliance program where we'll source discreetly a couple of paddles from different resellers and then we'll run uh, first a screening test on those if they fail then we'll submit those to the the labs for a more detailed analysis interesting yeah so it's uh it is i, I would only expect 65 percent of paddles failing to increase right? They are, you, you want your paddle to be 
as close to the line as as you can. So why not bring ten paddles and and see what uh, what passes and what doesn't? If it's using a, a separate, it's essentially a different set of rules, right? You can say it's it's derived or at least sort of pegged to USA Pickleball's rules, but if you're giving a twenty percent margin of error, you should be in an MLP play. You should be failing USA Pickleball standards. Uh, that's a, a great way to qualify that. We don't encourage that, um, but <clears throat> for purposes of the show, uh, and also I think for purposes of um, you know accepting the fact that this is a field test, it's not a lab controlled condition. Uh, in fact, Colin talked about this uh, on a, a recent podcast with you, and that is you know, reducing variation is very important um, when um, testing paddles for uh, specifications like this. Uh, when you're in the field with different temperatures, uh, different humidity, um, a, a number of different factors, uh, <clears throat> this margin um, had been applied previously by the PPA. Um, there's a margin applied by the APP, and then it sounds like the MLP has done the same thing, giving a little bit of a uh, wiggle room you know, for these paddles. Uh, you know, our philosophy is, has not been, you know, we're trying to fail paddles. Uh, we're looking for egregious uh, conditions, you know, paddles that are you know, well over uh, the roughness standards. Um, in the case of uh, the PPA standards, it was 10% uh, margin for field testing. Uh, if this was a certification test, Zane, or a market compliance test, there would have been no additional margin allowed. Right. Well, I mean, I'm curious your uh, opinion on that. It's, it's my, my take is it feels like there should be a this is your your number a and if mlp wants to say hey your number is it's 40 but with a 20 percent margin of error that the, the number is effectively 48 then right that, it, exactly and I, I think you know after testing thousands of paddles with this compliance this field compliance program or essentially courtside compliance program this year uh, we've covered I, I did some uh, some math on this probably 26 events uh, this year, several thousand paddles we've gone through testing. Um, we use a, a higher spec surface roughness gauge uh, than, um, than actually the, the certification process at the labs. And I believe the M, uh, MLPs tests, they use this uh, SR160. Uh, we'll use an SR300, which has a uh, higher accuracy rate. It also has a, a configuration that makes it very easy to test specific surface features because the, if you'll recall, it's got an exposed stylus, so you can place it right over a surface feature or a graphic. And that's worked very well for us. And because of that, um, we've gone ahead and moved to, uh, as you stated, you know, one number. And that is what the standard is today. It's uh, 40 microns for the RT, uh, which is the, the maximum peak to valley. Um, at least that's within the PPA policy. Um, we'll probably migrate that as well with the APP. Um, still have to find a, a working relationship with, uh, with the PPL. This is the testing lab for MLP. Uh, the good news there is um, our chief engineer, John Anderson, has connected with Curtis Cruz from MLP and or from PPL. And it looks like they're at least trading notes, exchanging notes on what the roadmap could look like going forward. Gotcha. Um... Yeah, well, a question for you then is, you know, why is it? Uh, uh, so I think it's an interesting question if different organizations have different objectives 
should they be under the same testing protocol? Meaning like if Major League Pickleball, for whatever reason, decides that they want to be the spinniest tour around, that they're going to give us 50% uh, margin of error on our, on our paddles. Do we, should they still be regulated by USA Pickleball in some way? Is there a, a second set of rules for USA Pickleball? You know, that's an example with Major League Pickleball. What if there's a community that wants silent paddles, right? We know that a completely silent paddle would likely fail plenty of the different compliance tests, mm -hmm. right? Or certification tests. Right. That's right. And uh, I, I've got an update for you on the, the latter. Um, on the former, you know, ultimately it is, you know, it, it's your party, you know, that, that's what I would say to, you know, to, um, Brooks and of course to, to Connor, ultimately it's the PPA's event. And, and of course to, uh, you know, to Mike and the APP as well. Um, if they choose to stick with our standards, um, or, uh, they, they may want to apply a slight modification, this field testing, uh, uh issue that I, I told you about earlier. Uh, then we're still still good to support it. It's basically an extension of the standards and tests that we put in place with an allowance for you know for field error. Um, we're more confident in that, and that's why, for example, the PPA has reduced the uh, specification down to the standards because they're confident that the, there aren't the field errors that that we were concerned about before. Um, so I, I think to that extent, uh, we want to support. Um, support the leagues in terms of you know, testing protocols. Um, if they're relatively aligned uh, with what is already in place, or there's some linkage to specification, that's you know that's very important. So, um, the at present, for example, the the MLP test uh, uses a, a fairly high average deflection force. Um, <clears throat> at present, there's no linkage. Uh, of that back to the existing uh, existing specifications that manufacturers build paddles to. Carl, so there's can a you, little. Can you explain. Sorry, can, can we pause you for a sec on the what does it mean by MLP is using a high average deflection force? They've got a. Um, they're using a uh, a test uh, developed internally or developed by the uh, Pickle Pro Labs that uses. A, a higher deflection force to test um, the movement in the, the face of the paddle, how much rigidity there is in the face of the paddle and what the potential return of energy might be. Uh, we use a, a lower um, deflection force uh, at the certification labs at uh, NTS uh, to test essentially the same thing. We're just lower on the curve. If you look at the, the overall uh, force and movement uh, curve uh, that, that you would uh, use to analyze the, the results of the test. Uh, we're lower on the curve. Um, it served us very well uh, for quite some time in terms of um, as a surrogate for power. Uh, up until recently, uh, with the advent of a couple new paddles out there that it looks like we'll need to move a little bit faster toward a coefficient of restitution uh, type test or an exit speed ratio, all of which require very tightly controlled lab conditions. Uh, but it's something we've been researching for quite some time. And I've got an update, by the way, uh, what we'll be doing at, at Nationals uh, to advance the ball in this area. Okay. Yeah, sure. Go ahead with that then. Okay. Um, so we're uh, there's two things that we're doing, actually. Um, we're bringing in a piece of equipment um, that actually has been designed to not only function for doing swing weight, which uh, you may have seen. Uh, we brought a, a swing weight machine to several events this year. 
Yeah, you um, showed me that. That was interesting because you you said like, hey, if you have a paddle that that you really like, we can sort of tell you that and what the exact swing weight is because it it sort of changes based on manufacturer sort of a little bit of an error or variance or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah, so that was a I've seen that. That was an interesting piece of equipment. Yeah, we've got a a new platform that we're bringing to this one that not only will uh, execute that swing weight and possibly spin weight. I, I have to dive back in on the, the specs on this one, um, but it also has a deflection element too. And so uh, we're not introducing a new policy. Uh, you know, we're sticking with the policy that we've been doing to date. Um, but we will be able to start to create a, a fairly um, a fairly rich data set uh, given all the paddles that will be coming in, and we'll find a corollary. Uh, that we're comfortable with that advances the ball in terms of how we are measuring coefficient of restitution. Again, deflection itself uh, isn't measuring that exit speed ratio or it isn't a proper uh, coefficient of restitution test, but in the field, uh, this may serve as well um, going forward. So this piece of equipment will be on site. Um, there's a couple of other things that we're doing as well. We're bringing in a couple of pro-grade uh, radar guns from Stalker Sports. Um, We've got uh, two different types we're bringing in, one that measures both inbound and outbound velocity. So we'll be able to do essentially an exit speed ratio relative to those two numbers. And then uh, the second gun that we're bringing uh, will measure spin, uh, spin rates as well. And so we'll, we'll find the right uh, placements, uh, placement areas around, um, ideally, if we, if we can set these up on center court, and I've got to work with uh, the PPA team and the broadcast team for clearances on this. Uh, if, if it doesn't work there, then, we'll, of course, we'll do it on some side courts. Um, the upside of this platform is that there is output in terms of speed, which will make for you know, some great information for the talent, uh, the honor ta talent in terms of what, you know, how they're uh, evaluating the, the speed of serves and serve returns and that type of thing, or an overhead, for example. Um, so we're very excited about that. We'll bring a high-speed camera uh, up to 960 FPS, which will run in parallel uh, with these radar guns. Uh, to help uh, correlate the, the test data as well. So we'll have some optical input from it as well as the uh, the radar inputs. Um, so interesting. So in a perfect world, you guys have, you're in a lab and you have unlimited money, you can do an exit velocity test. And that pretty much solves solves for, for power, right? Power, I feel, or how much power a paddle has, I think you can you can gauge accurately by an exit velocity test. That's that's the correct. best measurement. You're you're absolutely correct. Yeah. What then? Spin. How can you in a perfect world? Is there a way to judge spin without somebody actually swinging the paddle? Because it feels to me like uh, I'll I'll defer to you on that. Yeah, that's a that's a very difficult measurement. Um, what what uh, we've developed actually several years ago. Um, beyond the surface roughness test, and, and you wouldn't have visibility to this, but for certification, not only does a paddle get tested for surface roughness, which is a, an indirect contributor to friction, we actually conduct a coefficient of friction test, which is a, a physics-driven test, um, where we drag a sled that has the same, uh, same uh, material as a ball um, on it across the face of the paddle, and we measure what force that takes. And this is a an ASTM test, um, so it's a, you know, a national standards-based uh, test used in other um, in industrial and, and uh, sports applications, and it gives us a number uh, that we're able to look at. That uh, this number can be affected by roughness, but it can also be affected by surface coatings. And so, as you know, 
there's a few paddles out there that are possibly smooth to the touch, but when you drag a ball across it, it'll actually rip ball material off of the, off the, the ball itself. And so um, this coefficient of friction test is able to bound um, uh, paddles with that feature so you don't end up with some sticky paddle out there as well. And that's probably the closest thing you'll find uh, to um, a specification that actually measures uh, an attribute of you know where ball meets paddle. Um, we may modify that test in the future. Right now, uh, <clears throat> as I've described it, it is a dynamic coefficient of friction. It measures the, the uh, material moving across the face of the battle, uh, paddle. Uh, there's a, an additional piece we may add to this and it's a static coefficient of friction. So that moment that you contact the ball it gets, it, you know, it gets uh, compressed into the face of your paddle. At some point, it's going to break free. And it's that, that force required to break free that we may also be measuring in the future. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious. I was, I was very curious about that. So in an, if you have unlimited budget, oh, oh we're good. Just flickered on the screen. Um, if you have unlimited budget, <clears throat> Perfect, perfect lab scenario. Is that how you are testing spin? Oh, we do it today. It's part of our certification. And uh, I, but is I that can't, how you would do oh, it? Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I, would, I would correlate that with field tests as well. Uh, and so, for example, um, at, at Nationals, ideally, uh, we'll be able to sample quite a few different players and, and their paddles and see what the spin rates might be off of them, uh, especially, I think the best place to see it, of course, would be probably from a serve or return a serve. Um, I think to that extent, uh, what, what that will yield is a cluster of data, uh, a scatter plot of results that we can, uh, can look at for outliers. And if there's an outlier that you know, is consistently um, outside of the, uh, that the cluster of, of other samples, um, then it would warrant a closer look. And we probably run coefficient of friction tests on that, as well as a surface roughness test, which is generally the, the thing that we're seeing driving most high friction paddles. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I feel like that's tough because some players might have a very spinny paddle and just decide not to spin anything with their serve. Or, that, yeah, yeah, that, that's or true. They, I mean, stroke mechanics are very important uh, in this case. And so if yeah. you've got a, you know, a multi-fulcrum, uh, swing a very whippy swing, uh, you'll generate probably more paddle head speed uh, than you would if you had a more conventional old school tennis stroke with a, a somewhat stiffer arm. Um, so I wanted to ask uh, the new gearbox paddle, and I, I'm sure you don't want to go into specifics, all that stuff. So this thing had this thing passed certification. It hits like an absolute truck. Uh, I've, I was on Travis's, Travis's pod and I said, I'm sure it passed all the rules. I think that, I think Roth from Gearbox knows exactly what he's, his, he's doing. But I also said that thing does not see pro competition in the PPA or MLP in 2024. And is I put it, money on it. Is it the spin or is it the power? Is it both? What power. to you really stands out? Okay. It's, it's, it's unbelievably powerful i would say uh, having hit with a vice paddle a delaminated legacy paddle and a gearbox paddle i would yeah. say it is 
slightly more powerful, at least the version that I had, slightly more powerful than a delaminated legacy paddle. Right. And the problem with a delaminated legacy paddle is it is no longer within spec. Right. I'm f- fully certain that these these paddles that I'm hitting, just knowing knowing uh, the, the company and knowing Gearbox that like they are still in spec, that is how they they come. They've passed their tests. Right. So Carl, if 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 something like assuming Zane's right, okay, and this thing has it's a fair assumption, <laughs> and this thing has uh, insane power, but it has passed all of your examinations. What do you theorize as potentially a factor that allows it to pass the certifications, but still seem to exceed the the limits in certain ways? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question, Thomas. And I think the the, the rules and specifications and testing protocols that have been put in place are, you know, were really intended uh, to support the, you know, our board's focus, which is you know, protecting the integrity of the sport and the nature of the sport. And um, the way we have described it over the last several years is it's a it's a game of finesse. Um, clearly, uh, better athletes can come into it and, and uh, rip the ball as well. But ultimately, it's a game of finesse. Um, and the, the rules and, and uh, testing protocols that we put in place uh, are intended to bound power and spin uh, to, you know, to a, a fairly great extent. I think up until recently, uh, we've, you know, it, it's accomplished. Uh, it served its purpose. Um, we've done some fine tuning, you know, relative to uh, a manufacturing issue early this year, as Zane uh, described with the uh, delamination uh, relative more or less to a, a specific category and, and configuration of paddle. Um, and that's more or less uh, under control. Uh, but I, I think we are seeing a generation and, and sophistication in engineering that's delivering a paddle that can store and return more energy than those in the past. Um, and I, I'd like to uh, bring back a, a comment and quote from your uh, one of your more recent podcasts with Colin. And that was, um, what, what do the rules need to encompass? Uh, you know, at what point do the, the pro athletes certainly feel like, hey, this is too much. And so you know, this is where the exit speed ratio, which will determine how hot is a paddle, whatever you know, the, the issue is or the configuration is below the, the surface. It's got a broken core or if it's been you know, designed by a, a very sophisticated engineering team uh, in the case of, of Gearbox. Um, at what point do we say enough is enough? This is this is too fast. We need to slow it down, um, and that's that's a very important role for us to take. Um, we do not want to make this uh, or, or embark on this without uh, or in a vacuum. You know, we want to talk to the pros. We want to understand. You know, what do you consider uh, too much? And so, you know, spin is one thing. And, and to that point, um, Zane, there's been discussion across the pro ranks about. Uh, the wooden bat approach, you know, so rather than more spinny, uh, let's test the, the athlete's skills and uh, smooth the paddles a bit. And so that, you know, that. yeah, that's been been proposed <laughs> to us as well. Yeah. And again, you know, there's a number of, of moving parts to this. You know, one is, is that what the, the, um, uh, the tour uh, wants to do, you know, in terms of what kind of show can, can we put on? Um, but also the ramifications to the ecosystem. What does this mean for paddle manufacturers? You know, do they just do a special one-off for you know for the pros, 
and then they, they stick with the conventional specifications for the rank and file, you know, the, the recreational athletes and um, the casual tournament players. So there's a, a lot of things to consider there. Um, so I'd have to say, uh, you know, the, the, the manufacturers um, and the, the pro players uh, and the, of course the governing body and the pro tours, I think all need to talk about this and, and decide what, what's good for the sport. Is super spinny good for the sport, you know, to use your term, um, or is bounding that, you know, to a certain extent, measuring it, you know, with a, um, a reliable means. Uh, we're, we're happy with coefficient of friction, but the power side, back to, to close the comment on um, the specific paddle, um, clearly, uh, this, you know, this would be one of the first paddles, you know, that, that we would look at from a, a coefficient of restitution. Where does it fall relative to uh, its peers, you know, to other paddles, uh, Pro XR, Yola, Selkirk. Um, and, and back to my point about spin earlier in that cluster, uh, that, that scatter plot of data, you know, if we see uh, a scatter plot from a coefficient of restitution standpoint, and then a couple of outliers out here, clearly we have to do something about it. But it needs to be done uh, with consideration of, you know, what investments have been made in this, how much time will it take to, to migrate from that. Um, we've never made overnight changes to policy that impact uh, manufacturers in terms of inventory already out in the market. Um, there are a number of other things you know, that need to be considered when, when making changes like that. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, I think, um, is there any, any talk within USA Pickleball of going away from dwell time, deflection, uh, all that stuff, and just going to that more expensive uh, exit velocity test? Uh, we've got our labs working on it now. And you know, to your point, yeah, it'll embed more cost into certification. But if it's something the industry wants, something that the market wants, it's clearly a direction that, that we need to support and move to. Um, I have one more question and I'll let you take over with any, any questions, but what, uh, do, what do you think we got wrong on the last pod <laughs> or, or do you have any specific examples other than Thomas? Like nobody really listens to him on that stuff, but what have, what have we been missing? If you've listened along, along to some of our, our podcasts on, you know, things we're saying incorrectly or, uh, Yeah. I'd have to say, you know, that this last one I, I listened uh, initially, you know, when you published it, and, and again in preparation for for today's call. Um, I'd have to say uh, you're getting closer and closer to um, nailing it on most topics. Um, this is, uh, it's not overly complex. There's some a little bit of confusion between dwell and deflection um, versus the the stuff that happens underneath. Uh, uh, cork rush, desponding, delamination. And those are things that, by the way, you know, big picture, those happen to all pad almost all paddles over time. Uh, you know, a paddle that you pick up today won't play the same way after a year, year and a half of, of play. Um, and that's because, you know, that rigid beam that it starts life as, it, it gets softer and softer over time, but it's, it's very slow. And so you don't notice it until you pick up a brand new one and compare it side by side. The issue that we we found earlier this year uh, was uh, essentially a catastrophic failure. It was a, an immediate degradation of the core 
which left a still very active surface supply that stored and, and returned energy. And so uh, I, I guess to that extent, um, you know, there's, <clears throat> there was some confusion around the application of terms to that. Um, we probably could have done a better job of educating uh, around that at the time. Um, you know, tried to do that, you know, made quite a few appearances uh, during that period, but um, didn't make, make the full rounds. But I think, uh, you know, you've had some very competent uh, guests um, on your show uh, that add a lot of value. Again, I've got to say, you know, after listening to Colin last week, um, he gets it. Um, and there's uh, there's some things that that um, are difficult to nail. Um, you know, the, the testing at, at uh, MLP, um, there's it's more or less black box. Uh, we don't know exactly what the test protocols are or what the results are in terms of numbers. And so uh, it's either pass or fail. And so it's very difficult to make adjustments related to data like that. Um, so um, I would, you know, my recommendation uh, would be to ask for more transparency across all of the testing uh, protocols and, and uh, the different leagues. Uh, so you know what's, um, what's being tested, what the results are. Uh, if you fail, why did you fail? Um, and, and is that information being shared back with the manufacturer, which we do typically, uh, we'll circle back um, and share images of the failure mode, uh, the results of the tests. And I think that's a, actually a positive cycle um, to, to get into with the manufacturers to let them know that your athletes are showing up with paddles that are too rough, or uh, in some cases, they're a bit long in the tooth. They should have been retired a while ago. And we'll give that advice as well directly to the athlete if it looks like it's close to exceeding the limits from a uh, core crush standpoint. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Okay. So um, first question for me, first thing I want to ask is what is the relationship between USA Pickleball and APP? Would you consider APP like the official pro tour of USA Pickleball or like, how do you define that? Uh, they're, uh, they're the first sanctioned pro tour. Um, we work closely with them in, in a number of, of areas. Um, we provided testing services for them over the last two quarters or so. I think uh, starting with New York, uh, we were providing uh, support for them there. Um, there, you know, again, as a sanctioned uh, sanctioned league, um, you know, we we respect that fact. Uh, you know, several of of the PPA events were sanctioned this year. The Golden Ticket events um, would like to see uh, engagement with both uh, both leagues going into next year. So that's. Not sure that's the answer you were looking for, but uh, um, I've enjoyed uh, personally uh, supporting both. Uh, I've, I've been in this testing function as we piloted the program this year and have, have supported um, events both with the PPA and APP. Um, both of them bring something unique to the sport. Um, I, I like the fact the APP, there's a lot of players that are just moving into the sport. So you see some real talent, uh, some raw talent as well. And uh, ideally, you know, the, a lot of these athletes will continue to grow with the sport to, at the pro level. Got it. So um, I'm sort of uh, I'm leading you in a in a direction here. So maybe the answer is, you know, this is uh, it's not up to us. Right. We don't we don't have any sway there. But I just wanted to bring up in uh, the APP this weekend uh, at the final, you know, that I think they had like 20 refs at the match just to make sure there weren't any. Uh, questionable line calls. Um, but how do you feel about the current policy around, um, you know, 
ch challenges or I guess overruling, right? Because Salome in the final was overruled four different times without consequence. You could argue that players are then incentivized to just call a ball out uh, because the worst case scenario, they get overruled. And how do you at USA Pickleball uh, view that? What's your opinion on that? And, um, you know, are, are you the ones who would implement some sort of rule change to combat that? Uh, again, you know, from a policy standpoint, you know, each of the leagues may want to implement uh, a policy that they're comfortable with. Um, given the, you know, the state of the sport at the pro level, in some cases there's betting and there's some other factors that fall out of our um, jurisdiction, if you would, or our, our uh, area of influence. Um, in some cases, it may be a, a league by league policy. Uh, big picture, though, Thomas, uh, by the way, this is you know, out of my, my uh, uh, area of, of expertise, mm. um, just from a policy standpoint. I do have a, a, an opinion on this, and I, I'd like to see us move to video assist replays uh, sooner than later. Um, I'm, I'm actually working with a, an entity um, from a, uh, looking at a, another service to blend in with the, uh, essentially a technical service to blend in with uh, paddle testing that we're doing today, uh, bringing in video assist for uh, officials. Um, first version of this has been tested at a couple of tournaments with 120 FPS uh, cameras. Um, so there's no hover, it's called, where the ball, you can't actually see the ball hit the ground in the replay, 120 FPS will address that. Um, beyond that, we're also looking at uh, essentially a Hawkeye type solution. So it's uh, with a number of cameras that actually will present a, uh, a CGI uh, based image that will replay uh, the, the contact with the ball on the court. And I think implementing something like that will help us move away from player called, uh, you know, uh, uh, player influenced calls um, for overrules and things like that as well. I think that's a, a necessary step for us to move into. I'd like for USA Pickleball to be uh, supporting that again as part of a technical services platform, along with the uh, uh, paddle testing and, and compliance. Got it. Okay. All right. So you can um, you can plead the fifth on this one, but uh, USA Pickleball obviously sits in between all these competing organizations. Um, What's USA Pickleball's stance on the on the tour wars and and everything that happened? I mean, obviously it shook up pickleball. Probably something that uh, you know none of us could have foreseen. But what are the internal conversations like over there? How do you guys view this? Yeah, uh, ten thousand foot level on this, Thomas. Is you know our our goal is is to help grow the sport. Uh, we know that the intentions of of each of the leagues. Um, is is to do it either directly or uh, indirectly. Um, uh, just from a philosophical standpoint, you know, we we prefer to be Switzerland in this case. Mm -hmm. um, you know, managing the rules, the equipment specifications, grassroots programs to help drive you know, well beyond the numbers. And uh, as you know, you know there have been market analyses done. We we rely on SFIA, uh, which means we're you know, we're just south of ten million. Um, I've seen quotes from YouGov of numbers, you know, well north of 30 million. And so um, our our goal really is to help continue that growth at the, the amateur level and the recreational level. We have a number of programs to support that um, with these uh, commercial endeavors uh, at the pro level. 
Uh, we want to make sure we're supporting, you know, from a tools standpoint, the, the rules, the equipment specifications, compliance, courtside compliance, those things that, and, and by the way, uh, training of officials, things like that. Those are very critical elements and should be relatively consistent across all of the leagues. Um, how it's finessed for a, a team format with MLP or, um, you know, the, the differences between PPA and APP, um, that's up to their their uh, respective business models. Got it. Well, I, I respect the fact that you have your uh, USA Pickleball hat on right now. Maybe one day uh, you know, we can grab a beer. I'll get your uh, true uh, opinion, your less Swiss opinion on all of it. Uh, sure. One day. Uh, sure. I, I've, I've been around quite a while. I've uh, uh, got the scars to prove it. <laughs> so uh, there, there's quite a bit of history in the sport. Um, Zane, I think I met back in 2019 at the Atlanta event. Um, you know, so we've got, got some uh, water under the bridge so far. I've been involved uh, with the pro level uh, since 2017 and the first attempt at a pro tour with the PPF and, and John Gullo's support there. Um, so I've, yeah, I've been around. I've got some, some stories and some scars. Yeah. Okay. So you said you, you dropped a number there, 10 million. You're, you're saying that they're 10 million. What, what is that figure? Uh, the SFIA's most recent report through 2022 was that there uh, were nine point something, and actually it was 8.9 million. Uh, this is at the end of 2022, 8.9 million players, which consisted of some core players, you know, several times a month to um, casual players that played, a, you know, less than 10 times a year. Mm -hmm. um, those same categories uh, were referred to by uh, by YouGov. Uh, this is a, another um, market analysis of a, a figure north of 30, which I, I think I actually saw on one of your your slides in a recent presentation. So yeah. there's a you know we like to jack that number up as much as we can. <laughs> sure, sure. we're the... we're somewhat conservative uh, and and happy with the SFIA numbers. Uh, we anticipate you know this year will be another uh, double digit uh, year of growth. Yeah. Oh, a lot of people are raising money on a, all right. Well, Zane's got to run. You guys can keep hashing um, it out. I just have to go. I have a appointment. All right. I'll ask, uh, I've got Appreciate one more question you, for you. Thank you. Thanks for popping Thanks, on. Zane. You bet. Later Zane. Carl, I've got one more question for you and then we can, we can wrap. So I don't know if you saw on uh, a recent episode. I'm I'm sure you did because somebody from USA Pickleball ended up publishing a, a response. But we basically at one point were like, uh, "What does USA Pickleball even do?" Uh, and then we subsequently <laughs> we subsequently uh, walked that back a little bit and uh, sure. felt like maybe we were um, not fair in asking that question. But maybe I can just give you the floor to say, you know, what does USA Pickleball do, and and what's your primary focus when it comes to growing the game of pickleball? Yeah, well, I appreciate the chance to, to answer that. Um, I, and I think I can start it by highlighting probably our greatest asset. Uh, we've got a, an ambassador network of over 2,000 um, out there. I started uh, with USA Pickleball as a local ambassador. And uh, the net of it is this group drives probably the greatest percentage of the 11,000 registered sites uh, where people play pickleball today. And influence, I would estimate, somewhere between 35 and 50 percent of all players, um, given their you know, you know their support for grassroots growth, for court uh, builds, court conversions, that type of thing. Um, our uh, facilities development function, you know, to answer your question about what it 
you know, where um, my team supports. Uh, we're working with over a quarter billion uh, in a pipeline of facilities today. Um, and this is growing by 10 to 15 engagements each week. Um, so we're looking at the infrastructure of the sport as well. You know, clearly uh, the uh, demand exceeds supply you know, from a court standpoint today. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, this, this may sound grand, but, you know, our decisions in rulemaking and equipment standards uh, directly or indirectly touch essentially every player in the sport. And so while our membership may, you know, be a, a percentage of all those that play out there, um, our working with manufacturers that design and, and uh, bring to market paddles within a, a given specification. They're not oversized. They're not over rough. Uh, they're not too powerful for the most part. Um, those, you know, those really are, are serving the, the close to 10 million players at uh, PSFIA, I'm sure we'll be reporting on shortly. So I think uh, I do have an analogy here as well. You have to forgive me, but I'd look at us as uh, in the context of a sailboat. The, uh, the sport is a sailboat. Uh, we act a bit uh, as, the, as a keel uh, with a light touch on the rudder uh, for stability and direction. Um, you could say uh, with a bit of uh, mainsail as well uh, for consistent growth. When we look at the leagues, um, you know, that, that are all part of this, you know, this same uh, journey, uh, they're more like a spinnaker or an America's Cup hydrofoil, right? They're accelerants. Uh, they bring excitement to the sport. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they're, they're reaching large audiences out there as well, spectators, which are critical for growth. Um, you may notice the, the museum in back of me. I've been uh, part of several high growth sports during my, my time as an athlete. I, I, was, I uh, see everything but a, but a pickleball paddle. Uh, well, I, I'm working on that. You know, I've got one of the first, uh, one of the first paddles here. Uh, I think this one appeared on uh, Jennifer Lucor's history of pickleball. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you'll see that behind me sometime in the future. But um, these sports have gone through uh, booms and, and uh, subsequent busts uh, because of decisions made or decisions not made um, relative to equipment, relative to business models, uh, grassroots programs, and that type of thing. And the the scars from those uh, I've personally experienced, and, and many that I work with as well, uh, help inform uh, what we do from a policy standpoint, programming standpoint. And uh, for example, when I'm I'm working with facilities, uh, you know, we we talk about a crawl, walk, run approach. Don't go out and, and leverage the farm. Uh, to, to build your facility, start small, prove your business model, and then uh, fund it from a business development uh, mm -hmm. perspective. And you, you know uh, these terms, a gated model. You reach a certain level, then you fund the next uh, the next stage rather than overbuilding up front. So we're, we're trying to drive that type of philosophy when it comes to the infrastructure as well. So hopefully that gives you a picture of what we focus on. Um, we've got great uh, grassroots programs from a recreation standpoint. And uh, there's quite a few parts uh, to what we do, really focusing on rec players, but also supporting uh, pro leagues like uh, MLP, PPA, and APP. Got it. We can we can actually uh, wrap it there. Zane took off. I got to go to a doctor's appointment. Make sure I'm gonna live uh, okay. for another 50 years. But All really right. appreciate you coming on. This was great. Maybe we can do it again. Um, I'm sure there will be more to talk about. Uh, as we've seen, you never know what's going to happen in football. Yeah, that's likely. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, Thomas. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Carl.
All right. All right. You guys know that we work with Biore, uh, best sponsor ever, because, yeah, we constantly wear their stuff. I'm wearing my shirt right now. I've been playing in this shirt a lot, um, but I pretty much wear it everywhere, uh, especially when I'm traveling. I wear those uh, sweatpants that they have. They have a bunch of different options. Um, I'm a big fan of the joggers. But uh, you can go to viore.com slash the dink to get 20% off your first purchase uh, and enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash the dink. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie,